Welcome to the Greg Potts Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Santa Claus. Uh, Pastor Chad. Uh-huh. You did not. You were not Santa Claus this year. You did not I put was, on I was not Santa Claus the at the preschool this year, but next year, guess what? I probably will be given yes, circumstances. Yes, you will be. Yeah, yes. you will be. Not, circumstances not to be discussed on this podcast. No. <laughs> anyway, um, so John 1, in the beginning, so... In the can, beginning. Can I say, I, I re- one of the things I really liked about your sermon yeah. was you tied it back to the fact that it was, um, that Jesus has been there all along kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, when we, we get the whole, oh, I don't like the Old Testament because there's no Jesus, it's like, well, but John kind of lets you know, no, Jesus has been there the whole time. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. So, one of the things I was talking about on Saturday night slash Sunday, you know, so if you're crazy enough to pick up the Bible, start in Genesis and just keep reading. So not, not the recommended way to read scripture. No. But if, if you decide to tackle your Bible that way, and you're plugging along, you're plugging along, and boom, you run into Matthew. It's not like Jesus is suddenly in existence and was not in existence before. Right. Um, and, and that's, again, that's the really... Not as a named baby child cor- correct. person, correct. but the, the quote, the essence of who and what Jesus is, yeah. um, Torah incarnate. Um, and also, if you think about it, um, so Jesus is called the light, right? Yep. So in the beginning, what was the first thing God brought into existence? So in the, so in the beginning, there was darkness. There was darkness. And then, poof. Let not there really be poof. light. Not really let poof. Let there be light. Maybe there was a poof. Yeah. But yeah, the, let there be light. The first act of creation was light. Yep. Was bringing light into the darkness, into the dark void and so you get the, the, that, that so many allusions to the creation story of even, um, you know, not just the, the in the beginning. Right. But you immediately have, so what's the first thing of creation? Well, light. I mean, I, I, think, I think John, above all the other Gospels, which I like much more than the book of John, um, <laughs> I think John makes it his point that Jesus isn't a new thing in the New Testament. Um, and I think he really tries to, tries to hammer that point home right, right at the very beginning. He, more than any other gospel, makes that connection that it's not just baby Jesus. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not like, okay, so Mary and Joseph are plopping along um, and then poof, you, you there's a baby. You get the divine aspect of Jesus um, much more so in the Gospel of John than you do in the others. And in, in, in the Synoptic Gospels, it's there are allusions to it, but there's nothing really right. flat out that this is, is John God puts it incarnate. in your face. This is God incarnate. Yeah. You don't really get that in the Synoptic Gospels. Um, you have to kind of work, work through, you know, to, yeah. to get there. John's gospel, on the other hand, wants to make it abundantly clear that what we are dealing with here is divinity. Yep. Is is God coming down? Um, in in our fun Greek classes. I must not have had those 
fun Greek classes. <laughs> we get to discuss this thing called the logos. I sat and listened. Which is the Greek word for <laughs> word is, is logos. Yep. It's also a concept yep. in Greek philosophy. Um, in Greek philosophy, the logos, the word, was that thing that held all things together. So the reason rivers run the way they run is due to the logos. Um, the reason that, that um, gravity works the way it works is because of the logos. Uh, you know, it's kind of this, this, this binding agent. And as um, we mentioned in our text it's study. It's like Gorilla Glue. Yeah. The thing we <laughs> mentioned in our text study last week was for all of you Star Wars fans, which I know you're not one. But for all you Star Wars fans, it's kind of, the, it's sort of like the force. It's that, that thing that holds all things together, that, that binds the universe. Uh, and that's the philosophy, uh, the Greek philosophy that um, John is pulling on when he's talking about this. So obviously he had a very, I would assume he had a very Greek audience um, because he's trying to connect with them. Who is this Jesus? Now for um, uh, anybody of, uh, that 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 was of Israelite descent, Jewish, etc., who really understood Judaism and understood Torah, you get that idea of of what Torah is, instruction, etc., and and that Jesus is that. But for um, his Greek audience, he connects them as well by using that that word logos. Um, that, so it's not just God's word in the form of God's instruction, but it's also this Greek philosophy of that thing that holds everything together. So even if you aren't Jewish, you have a connection of understanding what this means and, and what this is. So is baby Yoda, baby Jesus? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with no. Okay. <laughs> um, I know Baby Yoda's a thing because I saw it on Facebook, so it I'm must sure be true. I'm sure you did, yes. No, The Mandalorian, I, I've watched that. No, 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 Baby Yoda is not, um, uh, is, is not Jesus. But... Um, I mean, a green Jesus will really throw people for a loop. Yeah, well, and, and, and an alien type Jesus. Yeah, and we have trouble with, you know, what skin color Jesus actually had. I don't know that we need to throw green into the mix. Maybe it'd be easier, actually. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I know this is not your favorite gospel. It's mine. I love I the symbolism. I love the light and the dark and the all, all of these, uh, and, and obviously even these Greek philosophy connections. And well, and it, you know, like it hit that. me. It, I knew I didn't like John's gospel. I just don't, I don't care for the way it reads. And I think, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is that is... The is, farewell is, discourse, I admit, is, is, is annoying. Yeah. The, yeah. Be <laughs> the beginning and the end. Ugh. Like, the middle part, there's... Uh, okay, I can, I can deal with it. But, like, this is all... John has all the bread of life things, too, doesn't he? Yes. And that's another does. reason I don't like it. Yeah. Because it's like... Like I said, you know, kind of so the farewell the, discourse and the bread of life stuff gets tedious. So in, in the revised common lectionary... Um, You're doing Mark. You have, like... I don't know. It's like four, five, six weeks straight about bread of life. And I love me some bread. It's you know, Give much. me some breadsticks from Olive Garden... 
Give me that loaf from every pastor who has ever preached the Revised Common Lectionary and has had to do the Gospel of Mark and their six weeks of John because Mark being the shortest gospel, they throw they throw John in there to kind of fill space. They throw John a bone. Yeah, it's one of the things I actually appreciated about the the narrative lectionary that you all four gospels get a year. Yes, get a full full year. year. Well. Um, a full season, I a should say. A full season, yeah. yes, because Christmas Eve, which is coming up, we will actually not um, be using John's gospel because there is no birth narrative I would other love, than the, in the beginning. I would love to see someone do, do a nativity John. of John's gospel. <laughs> is that a challenge? Go ahead, paint it. <laughs> oh, I've already painted it. That's not a question. Um, uh, <laughs> no, paint the nativity want, of John's want, gospel. I actually have, believe it or not. I don't doubt that. If, if, but, but, like, if you want me to put together a a a Christmas Eve service oh God no around that, I certainly can. So one, we would get run out of town. No, we wouldn't. You want to know why? Because I've actually incorporated it in other Christmas Eve service services. It wasn't the full only. Right, 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 right. right. Only that. If you, if you weave it in, that's different I did than, weave it than, in. than John's gospel. I have, I have gospel. woven it in in the past. Because I got to be honest, people show up on Christmas Eve and we're like, in the beginning was the word, and the word. They're like, what the hell is going on? Where's my baby Jesus in a manger? <laughs> I need my baby Jesus in a manger. Yeah, well, Which, try, try so, Mark's gospel. No, no, the real challenge is Mark's gospel. Because at least John has like. Yeah. He, allusions he's tying to it. yeah he's tying in jesus coming into the world so what i appreciate about mark's gospel so the opening of mark's gospel is the beginning of the good news yes right that's how that's how mark's gospel begins it doesn't begin with a birth narrative nope. but, but it begins with the, be, the beginning of the good news which essentially means what, what's written in mark's gospel is just the beginning of the good news and it continues on. It's one of the things I love about Mark. So, so it's funny. So John's gospel has this kind of hippie, literary, uh, symbolic, symbolic uh, nature to it. And Mark's gospel is very to the point and direct. And, and then, 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 and then. So what but, does it say about us that my favorite right. gospel is John's and your favorite is Mark's? Well, so my... my the, Neither of which have the, have the birth narrative. My home congregation enough. pastor back in Pennsylvania, she referred to John's or Mark's gospel as the Rambo gospel, Rambo Jesus. Because boom, boom, boom. Mark is just going through and just moving from one thing to the next, just rifling right through everything. Uh, what next and next and next and next and next. Um, and and I, I appreciate that. Um, John's gospel. I, one of the reasons I, I so I discovered why beyond me not liking the opening and me not liking the end and me not liking the middle. How do you not like the opening uh, though? I don't um, understand. It's too symbolic. Oh. But <laughs> I just I don't I don't understand. Well, I, I was looking through, well, I was reading commentaries and studying for this this past weekend sermon. The fact that you know, one, grace is used in chapter one and never again in, in John's gospel, which bothers me. The fact, and I think what it really comes down to for me. So, so, so where does the word grace actually wind up getting used in any of the other gospels? I don't know. It doesn't really. Grace is Paul's thing. 
Anyway, don't ruin my point. <laughs> so my point, my point is John's gospel is, is way more mystical and spiritual. Yes, it is. And it's what we call dualistic. Yes. Because there's much more of a, a pitting of good and evil and light and dark and that kind of stuff against yep. each other. It's yep. what we call dualism. And if, if you've ever listened to this podcast or you know, heard a few sermons or had a conversation, a spiritual conversation, um, I'm much less concerned with the the spiritually nature of Christianity than I am the concrete pieces of it, which may make me a little unLutheran. Uh, so, I'm, so I would not I would not make the statement that um, that works righteousness is the way to go. You can earn your way to heaven. I don't believe that at all, but I do believe that your faith should manifest itself in a nature that has concrete implications, positive implications um, in our in our world. Um, and for those around you, so I, I think that's where that's where I, I struggle with, you know, sort of the mystical part of spiritual part of John's gospel. And not that he, I mean, we'll get into John's gospel as the year goes on, and there are some of the same stories in John's gospel that were in. Uh, yeah, like, well, um, and there are different stories. You don't get correct. the story of the grace being shown to the adulterous woman. Right. For example. Right. Um, in that story, you don't get the wine in <laughs> but I think, the water into wine. Um and, and some of those things. But, and so th- those stories I, I I appreciate in John's gospel. I think again it's it's that beginning, the end, and all the bread stuff. And it and it's also me. very interesting in John's gospel. Um the 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 passion narrative is different. Um, probably the biggest difference is everything happens on what's called the day of preparation, not the actual Passover. The Synoptic Gospels make it on the night of Passover. For whatever reason, John moves it, and it's the day of preparation as opposed to, which, you know, some people get a little twitchy about because they're like, oh my gosh, it's different. What does that mean? And again, you have to remember John's gospel is symbolic. So everything he's doing has a sim- symbolic nature to it. And this is where this is where understanding, we've talked about this before too, the literature. L- literature. Yeah. Yeah, understanding what you're reading and and recognizing that um, John was not concerned with necessarily what I would call historical factual accuracy in terms of it was not a this, then this. Luke very much wants to tell you when in history things you know, happen. This happened yes. at this time, so yes. you can orient yourself on a timeline. John has no timeline. So one of the things we also noted in John's gospel is John's gospel has a lot of parentheses. <laughs> There's <laughs> you ever... Paul has no commas. Right. John has all the John has stolen all the parentheses out of the script out of the Bible. Right. And hoarded them into his gospel. John is big into, like, this happened, and now I'm explaining after the fact how we understand this. Because it's sort of like like you get into, especially um, uh, John chapter 2, when Jesus is talking about how he is, you know, he's the temple. But, you know, he he says, basically, you tear this temple down. um, I will build it back up in three days. And so then parentheses 
He was talking about himself. <laughs> so the, may, might the reader understand? Yep. So the reader understands. Um, this is actually what Jesus is talking about. Uh, I, I appreciate that the author feels the need to explain the, the explain the symbolism. Basically, right? Is here's the symbolism. Oh, just in case you don't know what this means, this is what this means. Yeah. <laughs> and and he does it and in, in because we were going through this reading and there were parentheses yeah. and and uh, so if you just take. Like, this isn't a hard exercise. You can literally just, like, do a quick flip through of the pages and scan the pages. It's ridiculous. Because yeah. this is, you know, it's like, and, and, and it talks, because where we get it in this reading is when it talks about John the Baptist, and then it has put parentheses and go, oh, clarification, John is not the light. <laughs> clarification, John it's, is it's, not it's, Jesus. So it's almost like, <laughs> um, you know, a scribe read John's gospel and was like, yes. This isn't clear. <laughs> I want to make sure you don't confuse And this. John's like, don't ruin it. Like, I got a thing going on here. And he said, well, can I put it in parentheses? Fine, put it in parentheses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, editor's note. And, well, and, and I think to also understand... Dude, you're going to mess up my flow. You can't put the stuff in my gospel. And then he's like, I'm just going to sneak them in in parentheses. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but, but also... Recognizing John's gospel is written kind of more in, in the, the format of an ancient Greek drama. Yeah. So the way Greek dramas work a lot of times is you will have one or two primary characters kind of at the forefront. And then you have like a chorus in the background, um, you know, kind of explaining and singing and what the extras yeah um and so the that that's kind of the way in which john's gospel um operates which is why you get such long diatribes um by jesus because i always like to you know just just sort of imagine this this actually being played out as a drama um and because I think that's how John intended for it to be read and understood as an actual dramatic kind of performance. Um, yeah. And, with, and which is why it has such symbolism and things like that, because you need these, these back and forths and, and, you know, for people who have, who have studied drama and things like that, it does make for a much more dramatic um, you know, starkness of, of contrast, yeah. which, so not shockingly being the drama person, the art person that I am, guess what? I like John's gospel for those reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also like, so we've always noticed that, um, when you read scripture and you read different translations. Mm, yeah. You get different words that, that can be used. And one of the things I always found very interesting is depending on what version of scripture you read, when it says um, the word became flesh and lived, dwelt, dwelt. tabernacled, etc., which Personally, I, I, I am always intrigued by the tabernacled. 
because that immediately pulls you into the Old Testament. As I'm sure you guessed, the word tabernacled means nothing to me in terms of being exciting. Yeah. I like dwelt. Oh, yeah. I don't like lived because that's kind of like... Right. Um, okay, so we lived. Yeah, with, with your neighbor. Like, but, I, I live with my neighbor. I don't dwell with my neighbor. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's... But li- maybe you should. Lived is more lived is more distant than yeah. Dwelt seems more intimate and personal and um, so so dwelt is much more personal. Um, and when you get it into the like I said, when they talk about tabernacle, tabernacle is the act of God dwelling with people. Yeah. That 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 is that is what the tabernacle was for was was for God to dwell with His people to be present to be among them. Um, and so to me, that's why I get a little more, Ooh, I kind of like tabernacle because it ties it it back to the old Testament. Yeah. Well, it ties it back to the very specific, what God did among his people of, of God coming down, God dwelling, God being present. So it's, it's bringing in those same images and illusions and, and understandings for people to comprehend and understand and say, oh, so it's like when God used to come down in the cloud of smoky stuff and, and would actually dwell in the tabernacle and be among the people. And when the people were all like, yeah, we don't want God talking to us anymore. Smoky stuff us. is a biblical term. Smoky stuff. Um, but... Yeah, so personally, I like tabernacled for that reason. But dwelt works quite well as well. I think it's just... I think because it's, especially the opening, is, is more symbolic, it's less concrete, it's a little harder to relate to. And okay, then... That's fair. And then... You know, so doing some prep for Christmas Eve, you know, y'all know the story, right? Like, that's also not realistic either. Like, birth is not, doesn't look like our manger scene. <laughs> I mean, birth is messy, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful messy, but it's, it, it is in no way pristine. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, the Bible goes, in, in many cases, to great lengths to clean things up, right? So, um, Mary, you know, Jesus was immaculate concept. You know, boom, there was no sex involved. There was no, like, birth, birthing stuff. There was no, like, birthing stuff involved. It's just very clean. The fact that Mary was a virgin. Clean. You know, there's there's just so many aspects of it. And we celebrate Mary. Well, when's the last time we we celebrated teen moms, right? Like like, like Mary's a teen mom. Let's just be clear. Mary's a teen mom. When is the last time, you know... There was a teenager who was pregnant, and everyone was like, oh, my God, that is so awesome. Yeah, well, Mary gets a pass because the Holy Spirit did it. Right, she didn't have sex. Right. Um, teenage girls don't get the pass. How many people actually believed 
that Mary didn't have sex. At the time, I'm At the sure time, not right? a whole... Well, right? Joseph didn't even initially. Right, that's what a, I mean. Like, it, it took an encounter with an angel, which I'm sorry, angels are scary. So there's this big thing. So, so, one, of the, yeah, so one of the confirmation kids, um, I, I have no idea why. Um, I, I mean, this kid kind of was all over the place, like, like squirrel, and he's like, distracted easily. So we're sitting in confirmation, and confirmation kids actually did a skit, uh, read a script that was sort of a modern-day portrayal of of the Christmas story um, with social media and let's just say Mary was not, right. you know, was uh, not popular um, or believed. Um, and this, so this, this, this kid in confirmation for some reason shows me, a piece. Is, it, is this what angels really look like? And let's just say it was not the halo, the oh, no. wing, right? Like it was the, nice, the, it was the pretty, multiple eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. The actual biblical description of angels. But, you know, of course we don't put, the monstrous looking angels on top of our Christmas tree. Although that would be really interesting to top a Christmas well, tree with. Someone did. Someone, someone made a, a, a on, I was on Twitter this morning, actually, that somebody showed a quote, that they had made a quote, biblically accurate angel for their treetop. Oh, wow. Um, oh, I wish I could find it. I would scare the hell out of the it, kids. Yeah. Well, so somebody was commenting. They said that they, the, the kids showed them showed the the pastor how to um, on Zoom because they're still doing Zoom Sunday school basically how to share an image on the thing so it pops up on their image. And he said, "All I could hear was screaming," <laughs> <laughs> and some some little six year old girl going, "Oh my! It has nine eyes! What?" <laughs> Yeah, I heard screaming. It was not good. Again, we clean things up because um, you can't put that on top of your Christmas tree, right? So we said we do the angel with the white dress or white gown and the wings and the nice little pretty, you know, not this mangled, freaky monster-looking thing, right? Um, yeah, like that thing. That you that's actually the picture that the youth pulled up as well. Yeah, it was like, is this really a thing? I'm like, yep. Yep, it is. <laughs> Luckily, we moved on and didn't get into the discussion of how we got the, you know, the white dress halo angel. So imagine, imagine, the so, so, hold on. so imagine for our Christmas program, a little girl comes home and says, mommy, mommy, I'm going to be the angel in our Christmas program. And then shows up for the Christmas program and you have, yeah, this multiple eyes and wings and not the halo and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this monster-looking thing. Yeah. I think mom and dad be a little ticked off. <laughs> um, so the 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 post that was made on 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 Twitter was during Zoom Sunday school. The kids taught me how to share my screen so I could show them a bl biblically accurate angel, and all I could hear was screaming. And I was like, "No, no, this is a friendly angel." And one girl shouted, "It has nine eyes." <laughs> all the better to see you with, my dear. Is um, yeah, it's weird. It, it yeah, it is, and but you know, it makes sense from the standpoint of every time there's an angel encounter in the Bible, do not be afraid. Yeah, fear not. Do yeah. not be afraid. However you want to translate it, but basically, it's hey, 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 settle down. So you how know, do? But how do we get? I, I mean, I, I just I don't know. How do we get what? How do we get the pristine angel in our nativities and everything else, like? Because someone along the way, probably a Renaissance artist, 
<laughs> it's those artsy fartsy people that are the problem. Yeah, Let yeah, me tell yeah, you. The, 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 probably a Renaissance artist that was like, you know what? We maybe, maybe don't want apples um, belong in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Angels need pretty white dresses and wings and a halo. Yeah, we don't need some some wacky, you know, six winged um I mean I can't say they're wrong. I can't say they're wrong. Like, no, I mean, like I can't, it's, it's I can't weird. say they're wrong. Although I have to admit, this one picture of of somebody who did make a biblically accurate angel tree topper, um, it's a little weird, but it's not horrible. What well, looks like a bird got hit by a car. <laughs> I know this is a podcast, so you can't actually see it. <laughs> you can't see it. But it, uh, trust me, it looks like a bird got hit by a car. Well, it just it has like, lots of feathers. Lots going of everywhere. feathers, like going everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> which may be more accurate, but. I don't yeah. know. It's scary. Well, yeah. It's, well, but you know, the weird thing is, too, when it talks about wings, it does not say feathers. There are lots of kinds of wings. Butterfly wings. That's true. Dragonfly wings. I'd never thought of that. So you have not seen, and I, I maybe shouldn't talk about it because maybe people want to watch it and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, Midnight Mass. I've not seen. On Netflix. Watch Midnight Mass on Netflix. We'll watch it together. Um, th it's a prime example of how, huh, well, maybe those aren't the wings I expected, but this is how I'm going to choose to interpret it because this thing has wings. Yeah. But they are not the same. They're, they're not the wings you and I would envision, but this individual in this, this, this series um basically interprets the fact that there are wings on this being that it must be an angel hmm. um and 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 let's just say it is not um pretty flowery feathery type of yeah. of, of wings um and, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, shouldn't that have been your first clue? The wings aren't feathery that maybe this wasn't an angel. But um, the it, it, it kind of it, it pulled into, for me, is, is, wow, the way in which we interpret things. Yeah, art does so many things that we don't realize. Yes. You know, whether it's music or painting or film. Um, you know, people have an interpretation of, of, you know, whether it's scripture or, I mean, any part of life, really. Yeah. And I don't think we realize the influence it has. Again, we've talked about Renaissance painters a lot with, you know, Adam and Eve. Right. What's and the, movies. What's the fruit? Oh, yeah. it's an apple. Why is it an apple? Oh. I mean, how many people's understanding of the story of Moses and the Exodus comes from the Charlton, Charlton Heston? Yeah. I mean, that, that art informs you most people have probably seen that and not actually you know a lot of people have probably that's their only source of information for and and it, it it's got some inaccuracies it's got some creative license that's taken yeah um quite a bit of of creative license that's well sometimes sometimes like you take any book and put it to film Right, like, you, you have, have to. There's, there's interpretations involved in Having that. Having worked in, in Hollywood and right. actually working in story development, we, right. we call it creative license, and we take a story and we go, okay, now I have to make this somehow work in a two-hour time frame on the screen, or in the case of animation, it had to be 90 minutes, um, right. because children's attention spans and all. Um, and, 
you really what does it say that a children's a children's attention span for for movies is 90 minutes and adults attention span for worship is an hour <laughs> huh, think about that like, i mean seriously like we get you get to like that hour point and people are like okay i gotta go well or or what does it say that an adult is willing to watch a three-hour movie mm-hmm. they'll they'll sit through a good three-hour movie they used to do intermissions though like if you actually go back and do like maybe we ben, need a church intermission. Like 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 Ben Hur and those movies that had like the the you know that were these long epic movies. They would have an intermission that you would what if for like twenty minutes. And I'm walk just around and I'm go, just spitballing here. What if we partnered with Ocean Republic Brewing Company? And we Broadway had, shows have intermission. And we had worship with an intermission. Mm. Might make the second half of worship really interesting. <laughs> Don't do it in the morning. <laughs> I said, yeah, Sunday. <laughs> All, I, so we have had... Unless you started at 11, you take your intermission at noon, because it's finally noon. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I mean, we've actually had like some very non-official conversations, and I don't know how serious they were. Hey, we, we could do worship at, at Ocean. You could do worship here. This was at Ocean Republic. But that's, yeah. that's, we're not doing that right now. No. I, so I, I, am a, I am a never say never. Because yep. um, you have no idea where the Holy Spirit leads, so I, I'm, a, I'm a never say never person. Um, and and I, so I, you know, I've even with with John's gospel, you know, I'm like, okay, so I don't like John's gospel, but there's a lot of things I don't like that might be good for me. Right. Yeah, we kind of talked about that a little. Bit. And maybe and maybe John's gospel is one of those things that it's like, okay, so it's not my jam. You know, certainly not. Wow, I I love John's gospel, but that doesn't mean that I can't take something from it or it doesn't have value. I think that's kind of where we're at as society, right? Like if I don't like it, or I don't agree with it, or it doesn't fit what I, it doesn't fit in whatever, whatever we want to call fit, then it has, I have no use for it. Right. So there's a lot of things that, you know, I don't particularly care for that may be useful. Oh, maybe useful, and, maybe and have, necessary. And have value. There, there, there's a lot of, oh, okay, so, you know, in, in, in general, there's a lot of things that, um, I mean, a lot of people might even go so far as to say they really don't like work, and yet you still have to do it because, you know, for for multiple reasons, not just because you need to um, earn a living so yeah, that you can like, survive. Yeah. But we were also created to to have a vocation. We were created to do something. We weren't created to I just mean, sit around. Who likes who likes getting a shot? Like that doesn't feel good. No. I mean, I've yet to have a shot. Wow, that felt really nice. But like, I really don't want polio or measles or die of COVID or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I, I, and, and I don't I will like. Tell you, for me, that 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 COVID shot is not pleasant. Neither is the tetanus shot. I always I got a spike of fever with that too. When I was a kid, I got oh. poison shots because I got poison ivy like like, and I got poison shots. Those things hurt like crazy. So so. I don't know that they hurt as bad as what I remember them hurting. I remember I said, "Talking, oh man, that hurts." But I was deathly afraid of needle, needles. But you know, that wasn't going to kill me. The poison was—I got poison ivy really bad. So my 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 booster that I got, um, the shot itself did not hurt a bit. But the guy did it. I didn't even know he did. Well, he was like, "Okay, I'm done." I was like, "Oh wow!" I said, "You are amazing." I said, "I didn't even feel that." It was yeah. My awesome. se- my second shot. The I said to the lady, "I said, are you sure?" The next 24 hours, I definitely felt it. So maybe it wanted to hurt going in. 
yeah, it didn't hurt going in, but oh, wow, was the next 24 hours not, not yeah. fun because I'm one of the lucky people who has a very um, yucky reaction. Um, but still would rather only feel that for one day versus um, weeks on end. But the point being is, yes, there are lots of things we don't like and we don't um, want, but maybe that are still ultimately going to be something that and is not just good for you, but life-giving. Right. And, you know, John's Gospel, I think, is very much a life-giving um, <clears throat> a life-giving Gospel. It certainly um, pulls us into, like I said, the, the divine nature of Jesus. But I think that's, that's, for me, that's also humbling, right? Like the fact that God decided, you know, made the conscious choice I'm to, gonna do this. to come down yep. and be among us. Now, you know, we, don't get, we don't get this part in, in John's gospel, but in Matthew and Luke, you know, God didn't come down as a warrior. Nope. God didn't well, come do down get it in, in, as a king. You do get in John's. He comes as the lamb. God came as... But even lamb, the most vulnerable, right? Yes. So like an infant, like you can't get more vulnerable than an infant. Yeah. Lamb, same thing. Send a lamb out on its own and see what happens. Good luck. The wolves. Yeah, good luck with <laughs> wolves that. Wolves will tear it apart or coyotes or whatever. Or somebody went lamb chops. Yep. Um, you know, I need some leg of lamb. But, I mean, again, there's this vulnerable... So you kind of miss the vulnerableness, the vulnerable nature in, that, in John's birth narrative, so to speak, that really kind of hits home in Matthew and Luke. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways that God... I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, if I have my pick... Okay, so, so you die, and, and not saying that this is a thing, but God says, I'm going to send you back to earth. How do you want to go back? Who's going to say an infant? Well, I'm not going to say an infant. And, and I, I'm just going to, I'm going to challenge you a little bit when you say you missed that in John's gospel. My point was, <clears throat> I don't think you, you, the vulnerability is just different. Well, and it's later. It's not in this, it's not in this birth narrative. It's not piece, it, well, it's right. not in the, well, but it's kind of later as well in um, Luke's gospel. I mean, right. you don't get baby Jesus until chapter two. Um, <clears throat> but... Um, yeah, in, in John's gospel, no, it's not infant, vulnerable Jesus. It's behold the Lamb of God, which is the sacrificial, right. you know, um, vulnerable kind of thing. And I think I, so I think I look at that as... But again, it's what, uh, what strikes you. It, it's, yeah, it's, right. It's, so, so, for, so for you, the infant is a much more um, so, so vulnerable I think, than, than, than even a lamb. So, so for me, I see the lamb as sacrificial, not vulnerable. And, and I, I know that's really, really plain with words. But for me, the lamb is, is, is the sacrifice, knowing that lambs were sacrificed, knowing that Jesus is going to the cross, all those things. So I see a lamb as vulnerable, but not in the same, but more sacrificial vulnerable than just humanly frail, vulnerable right. infant. So I, I, I know I, what it's like to be yeah. a, a, a vulnerable human. I don't right. know what it's like to be a vulnerable um, right. and I know what it's like, lamb that's, that's going to be somebody's dinner. And I know how, how fragile you know, infants are. You, know, you have to feed them. You have to change their diaper. You have to do those things. 
um, because they cannot do it for themselves. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I think that's really striking. Like God chose to come down and, and John's gospel hammers home that someone had this to is change, God. Part. Someone had to change, um, baby Jesus's diaper. Yeah. You know what? Jesus, the, the birth narrative is clean and there wasn't, you know, blood or bodily fluids in the birth narrative. Well, come on. I mean, let's be honest. And there's no, you know, Mary and Joseph had to stop along the way and change baby Jesus's diaper. Or maybe that's why they lost him, you know, when they left and Jesus got lost in the caravan. Like, where's Jesus? Oh, we got to go back in the temple. Maybe something was changing his diaper, and that's why. Well, and when you think about the fact that you're giving um, birth to begin with in, in and amongst a bunch of animals, that's stinky. And, I mean, sorry, I grew up in the country. Um, yeah, and, me too. And animals are, are smelly. Yeah. Barns are smelly. And granted, this is, was not done in a barn. It was, probably, it was actually probably the lower section of a home. Right. Um, where the animals were kept um, in the in the ancient world, that's kind of yeah. how uh, that that worked. Was you usually would, were at somebody's house, and they had an extra their their, their extra room, so to speak, for you to um, uh, reside in was usually down with the animals, um, yeah. um, underneath, you know, at, at the bottom of the house, and so that that's kind of probably most likely. Either that or some sort of cave or something like that. But. So, and it was also like animals and tools. So Jesus was in a tool shed. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. We have a negative connotation of tools, right? So it's an insult if we call someone a tool. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, all right. But Jesus essentially was a tool. Tools and it's tool also shed. necessary. Good luck doing anything with a tool. Correct. So this is this is one of the things that that also get I'm going way off. But we're already. From, I know. I, know. I don't we know that we're ever on. Um, so when people say things like religion is a crutch, and I sit there and I go, okay, but I want that leg to heal. Try letting that leg heal without a crutch. It, you know, it's supposed to be an insult. It's supposed to be right. A, you're oh, weak. you need something. You're weak, you need a you're crutch. Weak. I don't you need, need a crutch. crutch. Blah, 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 to lean on. And it's like, well, you know what? If I, I've got a broken leg, I want that crutch. Because no. guess what? That leg is never going to heal if I don't stay off it. If I don't have something that helps me. And guess what? We're all broken people. We are very broken. We're all broken people. people so we all need the, quote, crutch. So I don't take that as, as the insult most people Mean it, intended to be. to be, yeah. Because that is always my response whenever somebody goes, oh, well, you you know, religion's a crutch. And I go, oh, well, if I have a broken leg, I want that crutch. So Friday we had our preschool Christmas program and you know, one of the dads was limping in. Um, no crutch, limping in. And I said, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a bad early Christmas present. Yeah, I hurt myself at the gym. Again, hobbling along. Hey, you know what? Duke could use a crutch. Perhaps too proud to use a crutch. Which again, that's to to follow that analogy, right? So, so right. So humanity, you know, especially men. Let's just let's just call too, a thing a thing. Like too proud to say we don't want help. We don't need. I don't need no. I don't need no help. I I, I ain't asking for directions. I don't need to read the instructions. I'll figure it out. So one of my favorite memes <laughs> is is had it been three wise women, they'd have stopped and asked for directions. <laughs> they would have been there on time. 
<laughs> they would not have been late. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 so, I mean, like, there's this whole idea that, you know, we want to we wanna say we're self, self-sufficient. We don't want to ask for help. And I am, I am, in so many aspects of my life, that is me. Like, I am not one to ask for help. I am more of a, I'll do it. Just give me, I'll do it. Um, which isn't healthy, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that whole idea that we don't want to ask for help. Yet, yet, you know, God kind of... Well, and, and to be fair, at least for me, part of my, um, my resistance to asking for help is I don't want to be a burden to somebody else. Yeah. Is, is more, you know, it's not that... I, I have no problems usually if there's, you know, something that I'm like, ooh, yeah, no, I need somebody to help do X, Y, or Z. I'll, I'll, I'll ask people to do X, Y, or Z. Where I, I become more reluctant is when I'm like... I really don't want to be a burden to somebody else. I really don't want to make somebody else have to, do, I don't want to have to borrow, you know, this and inconvenience them and, and do all those, you know, things because I'm like, they have busy lives, they have yeah. whatever. And why can't I do this myself? Um, and having the back problems that I do, it, it was a humbling experience the day, um, when I was, this was about 10 years ago, uh, when, they first started and I was literally not able to raise my arms above my head and I had a light bulb go out <laughs> on my front porch. I had to call somebody to come change my light bulb. That was the most humbling thing yeah. I have ever had to do. I couldn't, I was in tears. I was like, I can't believe I'm asking somebody to do this for me. But What's like, I, liter- I literally need someone to come change my light bulb yeah. for me because I cannot do it. It's like yeah, having surgery. Yep. So I, I can't I can't get out of bed. Yep. I have to have somebody. Hey, can psst, can you bring me a drink? Hey, can you make me some soup? Can you? It's hard. Yeah. It's, you don't want to be a burden. You don't yeah. want to be and, and and especially for things that um, are are everyday things that you were used to just doing without thinking about. Yeah. And we so and we hear that from a lot of our uh, mature members. Yes. Um, well, if you need help with that, let us know. Yeah, we can come. Oh no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, yeah. You can't climb a ladder to change it. Yep. Well, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's not okay. Because I, I mean, ultimately, the problem is you get up on that ladder and you fall down. Where you know. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, you don't want to be a burden. Here, here's here's the irony. Right. So you don't want to be, quote, a burden so you do and ask for dumb. help. So you do something that you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> and, and then you really you get, hurt yourself. And you really hurt yourself. And then you're more of what you would call a burden. Right. And then you feel guilty because you did something stupid and you're a burden and it's just a spiraling cycle um, that is not healthy. Right. Yeah. Um, but as we are kind of coming into the barreling towards Christmas, the, the Christmas Eve, um, is so something that is always, I found quite interesting. You know, we really do celebrate Christmas Eve as the birth of Jesus. And yet we still have quote Christmas day. And, and I, I've always been confused because I'm like, so what exactly is Christmas day? Because Jesus was actually born on Christmas Eve. And I'm confused as to why it's called Christmas Eve. Why is Christmas Eve not Christmas? Right. Because that is the birth of Jesus. Well, I guess... And then the day... I mean, I guess the so day is, is it, a celebration of what happened the night before, but... So is it because 
like Jesus came so late they just needed to take, they just needed rest and couldn't really celebrate until the next day? Like, I don't, I, I don't that's a really good point. I don't know. Because, you know, this is my weird brain. Or is it the first full day? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's just my weird brain yeah, kind of I weird. wonder that too. So wait a minute. Um, why do we call it Christmas Eve? Because actually that's the event. Yeah. The Christmas Eve is the event. You know, it's, it's, it's the story. Yeah, but you can't keep your time. kids up late. It's the shepherds watching their flock by night and the announcement and all of that kind of stuff. And they go and they see and, and I don't know, maybe it's the next day by the time they I go say, and see. I say and maybe it, Jesus was born at 1201. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, and, and, and the reality is December 25th is also not likely when Jesus was born. Let's just be honest about that. Yeah, I don't know if we have time to get into that. Yeah, well, but it, you're right. the, the reality is that we, Christmas actually was not a celebrated holiday in Christianity for a very long time. Yes, there was maybe a, you, you, it was sort of like um, uh, baptism of our Lord Sunday or whatever, you know, yeah. it was a, it was a, a eh, day you showed up and you, you, you went to worship because, oh, okay. But ultimately the the festivals were of more kind of pagan origin because it's also in conjunction with the Yuletide and the these the winter solstice and and all that kind of stuff that there were all these celebrations that were around that and early so so fun little little trivia knowledge is puritans did not celebrate christmas to the point that in boston massachusetts they banned Christmas celebrations because Christmas celebrations actually, before they became this kind of wholesome, were kind oh, of Mardi Gras, right? They were they were like Mardi Gras. They were these these sort of very indulgent, um, drunken festival party kind of things, and they banned them. They said Christmas celebrations are of the devil. No Satan celebrations in Boston. I kid you not. Right, I know. And now, uh, and now we get all of these. How dare you not say Merry Christmas? It, it's just, it's, it's funny how the cultures shift. So that's my my biggest pet peeve yeah, is that is that the war on Christmas thing, the war on Christmas, and the keep Christ in Christmas thing. Oh man, like it drives me nuts. Only because. The way you keep Christ in Christmas is not in what you. It's not in how we celebrate it. Christmas. Yeah, is not in what you what you, what you say what you it's you keep Christ in Christmas by doing the things Christ did. So we were at the soup kitchen on Sunday, and a lady came in um, who volunteered last week um, with our friends from the Jewish Temple, and mm -hmm. before she left, she said Happy Holidays, mm -hmm. and one of our people responded Merry Christmas. It's like, I'm sorry, I just, can't, I just can't not say Merry Christmas. I said, I understand that, but you just said that to a Jew. Right. Who celebrated Hanukkah. And we had a Jewish family that was helping us in the soup kitchen this week. So it's like, I, like, I get it. I get it. We celebrate Christmas. And, and honestly, you know, the friend of mine who's Jewish was like, hey, Happy winter solstice. He was like, hey, Merry Christmas. I said, hey, Merry Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Merry Happy Hanukkah. I said, Merry Happy Belated Hanukkah. Um... And we kind of laughed about it and joked around. But I mean, so again, it kind of goes back to that uh, almost a persecution complex. When somebody says happy holidays, they're not discounting Jesus. 
No, they're just trying to incorporate. They're trying to make sure that everyone is inclusive, which kind of Jesus was Jesus's thing, right? Jesus was all about inclusion. Um, so, like, I've never gotten offended when someone said "Happy Holidays." I understand. I understand. Like, we want to, you know, lift up Jesus, and I, I get that. Sometimes we, I think we go a little far with it. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who it's by anymore. Um, you know, if you really want to keep Christ in Christmas, then feed the hungry, clothe the naked. Said, do what Jesus you know, did. Blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. That was kind of my point um, when I said, if you, you, you really yeah. want to keep Christ in Christmas, you need to do the things Jesus did. You yeah. need to not worry about, yeah. all. did I get enough presents? Did I, did I buy enough stuff? Did I decorate enough things? Did I... Um, yeah. So Christine and I this light year... Light enough candles. Christine and I this year are have, you know, kind of having this conversation about where do you draw the line? Mm-hmm. Um, so we know a number of people in need and you know, our, yes. an, our answer, especially this year has been yes. Yeah, we can help with this. Yes, we can help with this. Yes, we can help with this. And at some point we go, wait a minute. Like at some point we gotta, we gotta draw the line somewhere. Um, we haven't drawn that line yet. <laughs> um, our bank account hasn't drawn that line yet, but we're, we're kind of working on it. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, we will not be podcasting next week. Um, because we will celebrate Christmas Mardi Gras style. Yeah, we're going to be. That's doing, not true. We're going to be doing the Christmas thing, Christmas Eve, and then we're going to have lessons and carols for our Sunday worship. Um, and then I think you're kind of going to take a few days off, aren't you? Or you yeah. So during the week, yeah. So I'll be I'll be here for worship on Sunday. I'll be here worship for following the, the following Sunday, but during the week I will be. We will be doing some Legoland adventures, some Disney Springs adventures, maybe around the golf with my pops. So fun. I hope so. Yeah. But yeah. we will we will not be podcasting. Um, and then we might have We might squeeze one in and then pass Rebecca to go surfing in California. Surfing. Yeah. I'm gonna be in <laughs> Palm Springs. You don't really oh, surf you don't really surf in Palm Springs. It's mountains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, going to have a belated holiday season with my family, um, with my parents who are in California at this time of year because Nebraska's cold and they don't like that. Nobody needs that. <laughs> Nobody likes that. So we ho- wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Be safe. And Be like Jesus. We'll talk- Spread some cheer this Christmas. Yeah, and we'll hopefully talk to you in about two weeks. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.